whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Brought to you by Rock Antenna, Germany's number one rock radio station. I have Eins, zwei, drei. Okay, great. I, I wish I had more German. I, I should have more German based on the amount of time I've spent in Germany, which is like a good part of my 20s and 30s. And the problem is everyone speaks perfect English in Germany. So I was never really that um, motivated. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say perfect, but yeah, you're right. Pretty, like the Germans good. love Lincoln Park. That's like a fact. Everybody in Germany loves you. Um, so do we want to start? I'd love to. How are you today? I'm I'm great. I, I'm very excited to, oh. to talking to you. So um, yeah, it's it's a bit late right now in Germany. So it's actually like... Um, 8.30 p.m. But for, for you, everything. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Sorry we ran a little late, too. No problem. No problem. So, um, thank you so much for your time. Um, where do you catch you right now? Uh, where am I? Yeah. I'm in Los Angeles, and so it's a little earlier here than where you are. Yeah, so is the weather in Los Angeles nicer now because you had a crazy winter in California? It's still going. Like it's we've had we've had unusual amounts of rain here, and it's it's literally still raining. It's it feels like it's never going to let up. So I was in Los Angeles last year around this time, and it was so hot already. And when I saw that, you know, it was snowing in California, that was unimaginable. Yeah, we're. Um, People in LA are used to always 70 degrees. And so anytime it's any different, there's like mass hysteria. Do you even have like real jackets for temperatures like no. that? California? don't have real jackets. It's literally like what's been going on is like, do I own, I think I used to own a jacket for when I'd go to the UK or Germany. I should probably pull that out of a closet because I need one. Yeah, and shoes as well. Like, I mean, um, yeah, like, do I have real shoes or do I just can't wear... go can go in flip flops? <laughs> exactly. So your famous album Meteora turns twenty years this Saturday, and uh, just to say, I'm only twenty three, so I actually don't know a world without songs like you know, hit the floor or numb. But what does this anniversary mean to you? First of all, it's amazing to speak with you. I feel like you epitomize what's so special about this record. We were a little younger than you when we made it. We were coming off of our debut album, Hybrid Theory, which did a little bit better than we were hoping or expecting. It was huge. Yeah, it was really, it was really an adventure and a half. We were on tour for two and a half years. It was the big, it became the biggest selling album in the world at that time. And we had a really big challenge of like desperately wanting to follow that up and prove. Cause like there was like a lot of nonsense that like we would do press and people said like, we weren't even real. Like we were like made up somehow. <laughs> I don't know if that meant we were like kid robots or like we, we really wanted to prove like we have a point of view as a, as artists. And the challenge was how to make, how to physically make these songs while we were still on the road. And so we actually outfitted a bus with a studio. Mike basically moved into that bus and we would spend time with him on that bus and um, creating ideas that ultimately um, formed the bedrock of this album that we made with Don Gilmore, who also produced Hybrid Theory. Um, and we, yeah, we wanted to prove that, that it, Hybrid Theory wasn't a fluke, that we had something to say. Um, people, we wanted to make something timeless. And so fact that you and I are here 20 years after the fact 
and that it is still relevant to young people. Like I talk to people who are like teenagers and they're like, oh, this is my favorite album or something. You know, it's like, it's really weird. It's a really weird phenomenon. And then to like the icing on the cake, Anna, is when we were making the album, Mike and I were in New York with Andy Wallace, who was mixing the album. He's like legendary engineer. He mixed Nirvana, Nevermind, and he mixed Hybrid Theory. And um, we had, we had 14, he mixed 14 songs. And we were then going through like how to sequence them because we all, like our format was the album. Like we always wanted to create a whole album, have that album take you on a journey and tell a story. And so getting the sequence right and getting the elements right is like an art form unto itself. And we had this song um, and we felt like it was similar to our other song, Numb. And we just felt like we really want Numb to have a mo its own moment to shine. And well, let's take, let's actually hold this other song that we love off of the record. And maybe at some future moment, it'll have, it'll have its own, day in the sun and um and then we forgot that that song existed okay so ju I, i just wanted to say yeah of course numb like this song how how could you forget about that well we didn't forget about numb but we did ironically forget about the song lost oh yeah and the the one you you just released yeah and so when we were looking for like all of the amazing pieces of content and music and and visuals and um footage that we'd filmed to put together this box set we remember this we remember this oh we actually had a song that was one of our favorite songs that we made for that album that we didn't put on the album and we actually didn't even know where it was we didn't even know where it was and we found it and i really wanted the multis the multi-tracks because even though the mix was beautiful It really did feel like a timeless song, and I wanted to give it to Manny Mariquin, who mixed our most recent albums, to look at it, listen to it with fresh ears. But what was it like, you know, rediscovering this old recording and, and hearing Chester's voice again? What was that like? Incredible. Because, like, not everything we made was, is, like, not everything we make is great, you know? Like, we make a lot of stuff to try to, like, capture, like, something really, really special. And this is one of those moments and I hadn't heard it probably in 20 years. And when I heard it, I was just like floored by it because it's, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite things we've ever made. Um, I think his vocal performance is exquisite, like the subtlety on the verses and then the power and the chorus and um, the vocal production is really, really special. So Don Gilmore, who produced, hybrid theory and meteora i think he produced all the vocals on pearl jam 10 and he's like a really really fantastic um vocal producer among among all of his other talents and so like i just think like the way he captured chester's voice on that particular song is really like one of the best songs we've 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 made i think and so uh i'm just super stoked like it's i don't know how it's doing in germany um Here in the U.S., it's number one right now at rock, at Alternative and at Rock Radio. Yeah, we play it all the time. We love that song. Yeah. Like, um, And also two days ago, Chester Bennington would have celebrated his uh, 47th birthday, I guess. What are those days like for, for you, you and the other band members? Obviously sad because I miss him. And um, also beautiful just to like 
have an extra special day to celebrate his, his memory and his legacy and how much joy he brought people and like the light and life, you know, that was inside of him that he shared so vulnerably. I think like we would go like on this album Meteora, we started playing countries we'd never been to before. Some of, some of which like they really don't, unlike Germany where everyone does, most people do speak English. Like not everyone speaks English everywhere. And we'd go to countries and they'd, kids would sing all the words. And I would think like, how are they, how are they singing all these words? And I think like, even if people in the audience didn't know English, I think that they could sing the emo they were singing back the emotion they were feeling, even if it was just phonetically, the emotion in these songs was so like clear and true that um, I think that's what makes it time ultimately makes it stand the test of time. Yeah, now we know that Meteora is a legendary album and you you gained so much more popularity after Hybrid Theory even. But um, you were talking about the pressure, but if we like walk down memory lane a little bit, um, did you expect the album to be a hit or was it like really this this angsty moment where you were like, oh no, we can't mess this up? Angsty, the angsty moment. Yeah, like, I think, I think we learned as we grew, as we've grown as artists that um, you can't control how something's going to do commercially. You can't control how people are, you know, you have no idea how pe other people are going to feel about it. The only thing as an artist one can control is one's own creative contribution to something. So our ethos was kind of always like, let's make exactly the album we want to make that we love, that we want to listen to, and then... We hope that other people feel the same. Also, the six of us like always had very different musical tastes. So if we would find something, Anna, that like all six of us really loved, it was a really good sign. Okay, great. So, well, history is history. Um, when I when I told the people around me that I would talk to you today, like everyone was wall Lincoln Park and like so cool. And then everybody was like, What are they doing right now? And I think uh, that's a good timing to ask you exactly this. What are you as a band doing right now? I think we're really focused on this release. We put a lot of energy into this box set. Um, there's a tremendous amount of music on it that people haven't heard before. And I think in particular, this song Lost is actually connecting more than like Someone pointed out, like, even a bunch of the more recent songs, like, that we released, the song Lost is having a bigger impact. Yeah, and it's even called Lost. Like, that's perfect. <laughs> I know. I know. It's ironic, isn't it? Yeah, really. But is there, like, well, any more hidden material with Chester? Or are you maybe even thinking about writing new music? Is there anything coming? I think it's important to make the make the best decision in the moment. And so I think for us, the moment we're in is celebrating this, this album. And I think with this song, I think like, it's just something special that you can't predict. Um, even if you try to line everything up, like you really never know how something's going to impact people and connect. Um, I think that the visuals too, that were created for this song lost are really special As artists, we've always prioritized the visual landscape of our band. It was never like, oh, now we're just going to add visuals. Mike and Joe both went to art, like one of the best art schools. 
in the States and um, are really accomplished artists. And we've been able to collaborate also with visual artists like Delta who created that Meteora wall. And so when I think of Meteora, Anna, I think of like stepping into a whole universe. I'm not just thinking of songs. I'm thinking of like a whole experience. Um, and when I think of songs on the album, I think of the visuals. So like, that's the first thing I think of. Like when I think of breaking the habit, I'm seeing breaking the habit. Like Joe went to Japan at that time and collaborated with some of the most talented anime artists and created a whole visual world. And so the fact that like, that he was able to revisit that and put a new spin on it for this new song, like it just makes total sense for me. And like it's really a beautiful, exquisite piece of art. I'm, I'm really like stoked on the um, directors that worked on that and how it turned out. Like it's just, it's super, super cool. I don't even know how they did it. And when I researched Meteora, um, there was another, maybe a little different um, visual that I had in mind because I read that the names taken from like the old Greek monasteries, yeah. why, uh, like where did that come, came from? I want to pull that image up because I haven't seen that in a while. <sighs> yeah, I feel like these images were really inspiring to us. Like the vastness, they feel really breathtaking. The cliffs and the water and... That's, and I think there's like an interplay between the cliffs and the man-made element. I think it's a juxtaposition. I would say like th these images to me conjure like a vastness, like a majestic vastness. They conjure a timelessness. And they also conjure a juxtaposition of elements that you don't expect. So um, were you able to visit a place like this, actually? I was not fortunate enough to visit this place because when I went to Greece, I was, um, I was very focused on getting Probably to touring. the show. Yeah. Getting to from the show on time. That's the thing about touring people don't realize is like, I would say an exception is Germany because I spent so much time in Germany that I feel like I know Berlin pretty well. Berlin specifically, because that's where I spent most of the time when I, when I was in Germany, most places we toured to, like we, we would never, we would see like the hotel, the venue, a restaurant, the airport. And at this, at this pace, everything looks the same, right? Like no matter where really, you are, just the people talk a little funny. At a really crazy pace. Yeah. And like this time in our career was really a whirlwind, like insane, like doing something, like doing something like I'm doing like two hours of press today and it feels like like wow like i'm doing a lot <laughs> and then like, earlier it was like time, tour tour when tour was, when i was your age they would have been like okay before the show we're gonna do two hours of press um because you're young and you have lots of energy and i guess i did too at that time um so yeah it was like it was a whirlwind at that time it's definitely clear on like there's a lot of documentary footage in this package of like us touring and making the record and really like amazing things that we filmed and found. Um, and I feel like in this moment with you right now, it feels like an amazing sense of just being grounded and um, yeah, having a sense of like a deeper appreciation for everything that we've created and the impact that it's had and that it continues to have. Um, and just celebrating that, like being in the moment of celebrating that to me feels really like, exciting and 
I'm really grateful. Yeah, absolutely. And after all these years of touring, um, like you're famous for always wearing those uh, big fat headphones on stage. Um, are you maybe the only rock star in this world with impeccable hearing? Well, I was inspired by you because you have really cool headphones on right now. Back <laughs> well, it would have been like 20 years ago, but okay. <laughs> I'm feeling, I, I knew in the future that you'd be wearing cool headphones. Oh, okay. Great. Great. That was my source of inspiration. So now um, I can tell everybody about this. That's awesome. I will give you all the credit for my, um, my fashion sense on stage. Great. Great. Um, so as a guitarist, what's your favorite song to play besides your own songs? Of course. Besides my songs. Besides Linkin Park. Yes. I really like trying to play um, some of the John Mayer songs where he's using his right hand as almost like a percussive instrument. Um, one second, one second. Hey, someone was in the other room like yelling and I just didn't want to mess up your feet. No problem, no problem. So, so we were talking so about John been, Mayer. Yeah, so I was saying that he uses his right hand almost as a percussive instrument. So there's like a finger style, finger style playing that like, I remember going on YouTube and like trying, this was years ago, I was like trying to figure out what he was doing. And there were, there was literally like a 13 year old girl, like showing me how to play it in like the YouTube tutorial. <laughs> That's like the worst thing ever, right? If you, if you want to figure oh, like something out for yourself that. and then there are like people much younger who like, yeah, yeah. I just respect learned this to yesterday. That, to that musician and, um, She's very talented for her age. And yes, it was humbling for me to um, to like be learning from someone like a third of my age how to try to do my job. So um, or at least his job in this case. Um, yeah, I think like the guitar is a really interesting instrument. It's very difficult to play. And I also love the piano. So I've been playing a lot of piano. The piano is so different from the guitar because it's so straightforward. Like there's one note for every, there's one key for every note. And on the guitar, like you have to interpret where you want to play that note. because you can play it in multiple places on the neck. Um, music's cool. Music's cool. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I ask you that because um, sadly our time in this interview is, is coming to an end. And at some parties, there will always be like this one guitarist who picks up the guitar at the end of the party and um, ends it with a song. And it's usually Wonderwall, right? If you were that guy right now, which song would you play to end this party here? If we, you and I were at a party, And this was like a great party and like all our friends were there. And then it was like getting really late. Like we have to wake up for work in like two hours. And so like everyone's got to go home. And, you know, the only way to get people to leave is to pick up this guitar and play everyone out, play everyone out of this apartment. Um, I'm going to I'm going to be the one to pick up the guitar. I'm not going to play a John Mayer song because I'm still doing the YouTube tutorials on that. But um, would you play Wonderwall? I am. <laughs> I am going to play a song that I love by a band you may have heard of called Oasis. And that song is called Wonderwall. Whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Subscribe to our channel for more rocking podcasts.